Welcome to Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up with the Successpert, award-winning financial educator, wealth expert, speaker, and author, Alfred Edmund Jr. And your co-host, life coach and author, D. Marshall. It's Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. I am D.C. Marshall, and he is... Alfred Edmund Jr. And today we're talking about one of Alfred's favorite topics, although he always says, oh, this is my favorite topic. Oh, this is my favorite topic. He really is a health and wellness. uh, And yes, bodybuilder, if you follow Alfred online. So this is really it. Um, But I too am excited about today's show because as a result of watching my mother deal with kidney disease, uh, you know, she waited on the list for six years for a kidney, um, I noticed that I really uh, increased my, I'm going to say my intention and, and my energy and my commitment to being healthy and well. So I'm looking forward to this. So Alfred, what say you? Yeah, we're talking about health is wealth post-pandemic tools for surviving and thriving. I'm excited that we got a really special guest returning to the show, Dr. Donna Hamilton, author of Wellness Your Way. And you know me, man, this is my life. This is my lifestyle. I I consider working out, eating well. These are forms of worship for me. Um, (laughs) They really are. You know, people like, I went to church before church. I went to the gym and then I went to church because that's how how deep it is. And and it really brings down, I'm very gracious, I mean, grateful to God for the health and strength that he blesses me with. And, and I just, you know, I, I think it's something we should not take for granted. And I think we learned during the pandemic, the cost of taking that for granted. And D says, every show I say, this is my favorite topic, but this time for real, for real, for real, for real, for real. For real. My favorite topic, for real. <laughs> We're talking health, wellness. We're talking about health as wealth. Health is the foundation of wealth, I always say. And tips we should be taking to really invest in our health post-pandemic. We learned a lot of hard lessons and saw a lot of hard things related to health and health disparities over the past year. And we have a great guest joining us on the show to help talk about this as well. She's returning to the show, Dr. Donna Hamilton, author of Wellness Your Way. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Donna. Hello, hello, hello. (laughs) Welcome. It's so good to have you back. Listen. We saw a lot. We also learned a lot about health, wellness, the price of not having it, the price of not investing in it, the degree to which people don't necessarily have access to all the resources to achieve, if not optimum health, good health, to be able to live abundant lives. And you know, we're about that on this show, living an abundant life. Um, talk to me about, or talk to us and our audience about what you've seen and what you're thinking um, that we need to be focused on as we come out of this, this major chapter in the life or, or the chapter of our, our nation and our world. So much. Thank you for covering this topic, especially now because it's very important. So when we first start talking about health, I'm a big fan of making sure we mean the same thing when we use the same words. So let's talk about health because a lot of times when people say health, what they mean is not sick or when they talk about wellness, what they mean is food and fitness. And health is a lot more than that. Actually, health The word health literally means whole, W-H-O-L-E. So when we first started talking about health and using the English language, we really meant functioning at our best in every way, mind, body, spirit, and in life. And so some point we started using the word to mean not sick. And so we started talking about wellness. Great, same concept, except like I just said, people began to kind of 
squeeze that out and make it mean eating well and exercising, which is great. We love that, but we still have, that's not functioning at our best because we still have mind, we have thought, we have emotions, we've got spirit. And so now we talk about well-being. And so for the first part, the thing for us to remember is for the purpose of this conversation, whether we're saying health, wellness, well-being, what we're talking about is what you said, abundant living, functioning at your best in every single aspect. And why is that important? It's important as we talk about coming out of this pandemic shutdown, what to focus on and how to get back in gear. Because some people might feel pressured or shooting on themselves or need to, or all that really pressuring language to do something, which typically, if that was gonna work, it would have worked throughout the pandemic. So if we broaden our understanding of what the goal is, which is functioning at our best in mind, body, spirit, and life, then it's easier for us to pick a plan that's going to get us in gear instead of pressuring ourselves to perhaps eat better, start exercising. You know, I love what you, I, I just have to jump in here. I love the framing that you gave, uh, that, that you provide, Dr. Donna. And we have to, um, I think, help people shift their paradigm. Because when we think about it in the way that you described well-being, right? Mm -hmm. Then it gives us, it helps us to approach things differently and know that if we focus on well-being, then we can get in front of, I'll say, get in front of other things. Like I think in other spaces, we use preventative lifestyle changes that help us to, you know, manage uh, sickness and things. So I love what you shared. I want to say this one thing. And then, you know, Alfred is over there jumping out of his seat because he loves <laughs> anything to do with health and wellness. While I do too, but not as, I mean, he's, he's got more time in the game. Dr. Donna, one president of a local hospital contacted us during the pandemic and it was last year actually and they wanted a program and they wanted a program around well-being and one of the things that she said was so heartbreaking they had lost some people on their team this is a hospital mm -hmm. and what her chief of staff said to me she said you know what d she said she's real passionate about this because she knows if the people on her team had taken better care of their health they wouldn't have died. So this is the president of a hospital, um, a PhD in nursing. And I have a feeling she meant our community. She didn't say it, but the hospital was in a black and brown community. And so it really, it really touched me that she knew if they were in better shape, they could have beat COVID. So I wanna give this back to you and or Alfred to jump in, but I really would like at some point, I know we're gonna be here for, we have you for the whole show, um, but I really wanna, wanna talk about it. But I also wanted to acknowledge that your reframing is like, I, I just think the new norm and the language that we need to use to better understand this. Thank you for that. And yes, Alfred, let's hear what you have to say, but let's make sure we get back to that topic because that's juicy. I do want to, um, and that's a good um, reminder for another point I wanted to offer your audience. You know, we're talking to you in um, what we call your role as yourself, meaning you're here listening, doing whatever you do at home. But if you are someone who also in your professional role has any responsibility that impacts employee well-being, CEO, COO, manager, whatever that is, I encourage you to listen with that hat on too, 
because we don't separate ourselves. And so, and that's part of that well-being. So as we're listening to um, think about how we can improve our, our health, let's also think about if you are in a position to impact other people's well-being, how we can translate that too. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to defer to you. I mean, you're the expert. I'm, <laughs> I'm a co-host. I'm an enthusiast. I'm passionate about it. So I'll, I'll say that. But I also want to say I love your connection between wholeness and abundant living. Because I tell people, and it's been my own experiences I've evolved. I've been into fitness since I was in high school. I didn't get really into health until I was in my 30s. And I didn't get into the wholeness aspect of it until I was past 40. Mm -hmm. When I started to make the connection between my prayer life, my mental health and wellness, yes, physical, that's I like to go to the gym, yes, eating well, you know, but even the environment that I, that I allow myself to exist in, in my home, that I realized that health is about how you choose to live. And, and if that, those, are, those things aren't all lined up, then you can work out at the gym and eat the quote unquote right foods all along and still not have the outcomes that you think you're supposed to have. So I, I love this idea of wholeness and holisticness around this approach to well-being, existence, as opposed to what do you do? What is, what's your workout routine? What diet should I be on? Mm -hmm. so, so, so talk some more about what, why it's important for us to really look at it from an, an abundant living standpoint. It's important for many different factors. So before we jump into that, let's break down a little bit more about what we mean by wholeness. So we teach about the five arenas. Now, different people will call it different things. And I don't want, if you're listening, to get too much into your head about what are the categories. But the, whether you call it mind, body, spirit, life, we teach physical, mental, emotional, social, and spiritual. Those are some of the key factors. So physical, or what you would think, your body, what you put in your body, what you put on your body, what you do to your body, but also your physical environment. You know, so, so um, what we talked about a little bit right there. Mental are the, um, is the arena of your thoughts, your beliefs. So if people think about mindset, which is a hot topic now, it would fall into that arena. It's your mental chatter. And that's important because your thoughts do affect your body. There's a lot of science behind that, that your thoughts and your mind and your body are in constant communication on a biochemical level. Emotional arena, those are feelings. Same thing, you're, what you feel, um, it's not just in your brain, you have receptors throughout your body so your emotions are uh, affect your body your body affects your emotions social that's the juicy part your habits your hobbies your relationships your money all of that directly impacts your well-being and then the spiritual arena which i know you talk a lot about on this show that's not just religion but religion's important but it's what makes sense of life what um feeds you what helps you thrive yeah all, all those, like you said, people use different language and different words, different semantics, but it really speaks to the wholeness of our existence. And, and you're right, even the word says, what we think manifests in our lives physically, uh, yes. manifests in our environment. And, and I often I think, um, I think some of traditional medicine is acknowledging that now. For example, we know that um, cancer patients who have healthier relationships tend to live longer and survive cancer. You know, the, all of these elements have been now scientifically shown to actually have impact on quality of life and length of life. But I think too often we don't necessarily think about those things until we reach a crisis. We don't think about it in terms of we're, we're well now, but our, our definition of well, the bar is so low, Dr. Donna. The bar, like I said, if, if we can get up out of bed and walk, we think we're fine. 
you know, and, and we're not necessarily. Oh, absolutely. I know we can talk. Yeah, we had the whole hour. So before I get going on that, um, is it time for us to break? Yes, I'm getting carried away. You listen, you're listening to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. Don't go anywhere. Dr. Donna will be here with us. And just thank you for joining us. And we'll be right back. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a Black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Ed- is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Funky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective. Welcome back to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. I'm Alfred Edmund Jr. with DC Marshall, and we have a great guest who's talking about wholeness. Health is wealth, but we're talking about health is wholeness. Dr. Donna Hamilton, MD. Listen, Dr. Donna, you've already fed us so, you know, I'm stuffed already. You saw me getting carried away in the last segment, but I want more. So talk talk to us more about how we need to approach um, health, wellness, wholeness, abundant living, particularly as we emerge from the pandemic. Wonderful. So what we encourage people to, to do is when, once you understand that there are all these different factors impacting your life, then take a step back and do an inventory. It doesn't have to be something formal, but again, focus on more than your weight. Focus on more than food and fitness. Those are important and we love that. But make sure, as you mentioned at the end of the last segment, we can be fit. And I know lots of people who are physically fit and their numbers are great, but they still are depressed or angry or miserable in their job, uh, um, you, you know, or having, you know, especially after the pandemic, having a big existential crisis. And so that's not 
healthy. That's not functioning at your best. That's not well-being. And so we encourage people to really focus on that, especially as we come out of the pandemic cocoon, because a lot of people are moving forward, um, understandably so, nervous. And so that's the, pay attention to um, your feelings, pay attention to your thoughts about, um, I mean, there's a myriad of things that we're seeing out there. Many people are really rethinking their priorities about where they work, who they're with, um, what yeah. their life plans are. Like these are very important things to consider. Uh, and we want to be proactive as much as possible. Dee talked about that earlier. Uh, we want to get ahead of anything that is foreseeable. So especially if you spend a big part of the pandemic concerned, worried, upset, frustrated, or downright miserable <laughs> with certain things, whether it was your job, your relationship, or your health, your physical habits, because that happened a lot with people too. Um, for example, dental care, that's that's a part of being healthy. That's part of your body. And it's something that people often overlook until they absolutely can't put it off. Well, what happened in the pandemic? If you saw a lot, there were a lot of articles written, a lot of people were having dental problems from the stress of sleeping, grinding their teeth, clenching, eating popcorn and cracking on kernels, but they couldn't get to the dentist, you know? And so it became a big deal. It became a really big deal. So, so even things that might seem simple now, if you know that they were an issue for you when you couldn't address it easily, then that's something I would encourage you to pay attention to and make a plan to begin to address now. So another thing that I, that I noticed during the pandemic, and I, I would say I experienced it as well, we're not talking about just being healthy in advance of, of a crisis like that. Mm -hmm. We're also talking about the survivability of a crisis like that. You know, uh, people know me for being this, I'm a, I'm a competitive natural bodybuilder. I'm in the gym all the time. I eat well. And you know, I tell people, that doesn't mean I'm never going to get sick. Um, I had COVID briefly. It, was, it wasn't a big issue for me when I had it. I've had cancer, prostate cancer. I tell people, being whole does not mean you're never going to get hurt or sick. It's just that your body would be better positioned to navigate and, and survive it and come out on the other side of it. So, so you know, like this doesn't mean you'll never, never get ill, you'll never catch a, a cold, or that's not the point. So talk about what you saw in terms of who was hardest hit during the past year because of disparities that existed long before we knew a pandemic was coming. Absolutely. And very early on, we were starting to see a lot of that data, the people. And then because the only thing that was really predictable about COVID was how unpredictable it was at some point, we were seeing a lot of different subsets. But if, if people recall, the first wave we saw were people who were already not as healthy baseline. They had higher risk. So if they were overweight, if they had heart disease, if they had lung disease, if they had asthma, if they had diabetes, these are the people who tended to um, have poor outcomes or get, yeah, get sicker even if they ended up recovering. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're absolutely right. Taking care of ourselves physically, taking care of ourselves mentally, emotionally, doesn't mean that something might not come and just kind of rock your world, it, but it does increase your likelihood of being resilient. So in the case of, of, a, of the pandemic or you know a serious physical illness, like you said, cancer or, or anything you might get have. Like for example, right before the pandemic, I ruptured my ACL. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and fortunately, because I was on t- I had surgery right before every right before everything shut down, I was doing physical therapy and I was able to still maintain it throughout the pandemic, even when things got tougher for me to do. Some of that was my baseline um, physical health. A lot of it was my baseline mental health, quite honestly, because if you anyone knows anything about ACL injuries, let alone a rupture, and I had to have it completely um, repaired, it wow. takes a long, long time. It's, I'm still in, not back to my pre-injury baseline. And fortunately, I had a good health team that kept reminding me because I was so healthy and um, fully mobile beforehand, uh, there was no reason for me not to get back to that baseline. So, you know, don't even get into my head, I'm going to have a bad knee and all the things that people say. And so that was really important for me to be able to um, go through the early tough days when I could, couldn't even really get up by myself without, you know, having someone assist me or having, you know, crutches or a walker or something like that. So when we work to strengthen ourselves before there's a problem, it makes it easier. Even if it's not easy, it's easier for us to be resilient and to handle whatever life throws our way. You know, um, something you just said about resilience. Resilience is a measure of health. And I think that's important for people to understand because we're going to go through adversity, spiritual adversity, mental adversity, emotional adversity. There's no way to be or prepare for everything that's going to happen in life. That's not how life happens. So we're, we're also, you're talking about creating a baseline of resiliency um, so that we can get through this life and enjoy this life, uh, which is what, again, this show is about abundant living. Abundant living doesn't mean nothing's ever going to go wrong and everything's going to go your way. It's about your being able to enjoy life despite that. And so I really appreciate that. I also appreciate what you're saying about the connection. And I would say it's foundational in a way that I don't think we still respect in society yet of mental health. That, that in many ways, mental health is more of a predictor of outcomes than, than physical health, where you live, you know, all those things that your weight, all those things we're taught to focus on, um, when your ability to even follow through on a protocol of health and wellness is, is often determined by your mindset and your, and your mental health. Absolutely. That's why it's so important to pay attention to those other factors. See, my background in medicine is in pediatrics. And so we're trained to look at the whole person. And rest of medicine is catching up with what we've been doing in pediatrics for decades. <laughs> so we know, we know that your thoughts and your emotions and those social factors affect your ability to take care of yourself, affect your ability to bounce back. It's, it, it, they, they are integral. It's not this other thing that if you get around to it, do it. And now, this, as we mentioned earlier, the science is supporting that. So we know that people, that certain zip code, your zip code can affect your longevity. We know a lot more about social determinants of health. So we know a lot about how your thoughts actually uh, biochemically and physically affect your body, how your emotions. So we we know all of these, these factors, but um, a lot of times still people still drill it down to just, okay, what do I need to eat? How many exercises do I need to do? But many times we've seen, you know, in our practice, we see people make progress. If they're stuck, even trying to attain a physical goal, if we focus on another arena, a lot of times that's the social arena because stress happens in that one a lot. We see them making, end up making progress in an area where they were stuck before. So it's really important for us to take a look at 
the, the whole picture and all aspects of our life. That's not to say that it's not going to be challenging. Um, we, we do a lot of um, trauma-informed trainings for people in, in the traditional way that people are talking about trauma-informed, but also in some broader ways, because we know that some, not everyone starts out. Actually, the majority of people start out with some really tough things happening to them. Yeah. Yeah. And we know that in addition to looking at um, some of the, 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 the negative impact of it, we do know that there are early indicators that help people have um, resilience and post-traumatic growth. So, so well, and, and the mindset, the mental, emotional, and the social support system and social factors are, are key determinants of that. We are here talking to Dr. Donna, um, not a stranger to the show, but we're really talking about health as wealth. We're talking about post-pandemic tools uh, for surviving and thriving. Now that we're on the other side, I mean, we're not fully through, but we are, uh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and people are more thoughtful and conscious about their health now, or at least they should be. Um, but I will say this, in um, some of the statistics here, I think and this comes from a recent Brookings Institute um, uh, study, and it, it speaks to what the social, individual, and economic factors that impact health uh, three times as much as other healthcare does. Does that make sense? I don't know that that makes sense, but 40% social and economic factors, 30% individual behaviors, 20% healthcare, 10% physical environment. I don't quite understand the numbers, but here's the question. Um, so as we begin to redefine normalcy in a post-pandemic atmosphere, the question is, what can we do differently to prevent pre-existing conditions, uh, comorbidities that lead to greater vulnerability in public health emergencies and life in general? I think that was some of what uh, Brookings was sharing with us in terms of the stats. Yes, thank you. That's a great question. One, I'd like to encourage people to, again, anything that was yelling or even whispering for your attention when you couldn't address it, I really encourage you to pay attention to that now because we want to get on top of that. We don't want to ignore it. Just like, um, you know, deferred maintenance in your home, you know, your physical house costs more, deferred maintenance in your body costs more too in your, in your, in your, your body temple health. So if, for example, like we said, if you know that you, you know, we're having trouble seeing things and throughout the pandemic, I need new glasses. This is the time to get in and find a way to make that happen. Or if you were concerned about wheezing or you were concerned about any, anything, this is a time to first and foremost, make a plan to get on top of that. So if, if you're fortunate enough to have health insurance and a primary care doctor and everything, you already have all the resources to, to make it happen. Then it's something relatively as simple as, make the appointment and follow through and get get in there. Now, if it's not as simple as that for you, you may have to take a little bit longer for a few extra steps, like making sure you have childcare, making sure you have transportation. But if you know there is something that you've been meaning to get around to, let's get on top of that now. If you're fortunate enough that you've been, you know, feeling pretty good in your body, your mood has been good, you know, feeling good, your spirit's been good, we can still make a plan. So if you know that you haven't had, um, 
a wellness check in a while, this is the time to get in because those weren't a lot of those weren't done during the pandemic. So now this is the time to schedule for your, you know, your well woman check it, you know, for women for going for your physical, uh, if you need to do for a mammogram, colonoscopy, all those screening tests, this is the time to do that. If you're not sure what you need, this is the time to find that out. So this is the time to really pay attention to the things that you know we're kind of yelling for some attention and the things that if that you just typically tend to also make a plan to do that because it, it's cheaper in the long run from a just a practical perspective from a um, peace of mind but also if you wait sometimes things get longer you may be sicker maybe harder to address and that costs time it costs money it costs emotional bandwidth you know, you use the, the example of home maintenance. Um, you know, I talk to a lot of people who love cars and I, I, I use the whole thing about schedule maintenance for the car. I'm mm -hmm. like, you would never think of missing an oil change. You would never think of, because you know what the consequences of that, that would be in terms of the value of the car, the function of the car. Um, I know what it likes to have driven a car that actually seized up on the highway and became undrivable because I just kept ignoring the oil light. But we do that all the time. We're caught up in life, you know, even before the pandemic. We think, oh, I feel fine right now. The next time, I don't have time to go see my doctor. And again, these are for those who actually have health insurance and have the resources. Um, it's not like people with health insurance are more healthy than those without, because a lot of people that have the resources don't use them. But talk to me about the other thing that we learned during the, during the pandemic, which goes to the, the systemic issues around health and healthcare access. Uh, people who are, are uninsured, underinsured, don't have access to, to good food necessarily where they live. Uh, what should we be doing as, as listeners, as people of faith, as people who care about other people to address some of the systemic challenges that create a lot of these health disparities? I love that question. Thank you so much. Uh, this is a time for us to find a way. There's no shortage of places to volunteer, to help, to donate. You know, like we, we, a lot of us know the issues and sometimes we don't know where to begin. So if you um, are plugged in with uh, any type of group, if you're plugged in with your church or place of worship, if you are plugged in with a civic group, your sorority, NAACP, the links, uh, you know, some other local group, there are a lot of groups who are, who are have projects and ways to support, whether it's advocacy, which is important. A lot of times people don't think about that, but you know, letter writings, contacting your legislators locally and, and nationally, that's important. And then it, it, it's as important as you know, donating food to a food pantry. Um, you, so there's a lot of different ways that we can begin to help other people and even help ourselves and we can um, advocate for ourselves and advocate for other people. And there's a couple reasons to do this. One, because I believe it's the right thing to do. And, you know, it's, it, you know, those of us who are blessed with a lot, it is, um, it feels ethically and morally kind and wise and the right thing to do to share the wealth. But even if you're just in it for yourself, there is abundance of research that shows that kindness and compassion and helping others actually benefits the person who's doing the kind act mm -hmm. as much as if not more than the person who is receiving the kind act. So even if you're just looking for a way to keep making yourself feel better, do something to help someone else. 
even there was a study that was done that looked at, you know how in the grocery store, especially pre-pandemic, they all, before you checked out, they had the things where you could pay a dollar, donate a dollar to a cause. Something as simple as a dollar highlighted, stimulated the reward center in our brain, meaning it made us feel good. And we already talked a lot about the connection between our mental and emotional health and our physical well-being. So doing a social, so this is where the arenas come in. Remember, we talked about that in the beginning. So doing a social act of volunteering helps us feel good, emotional, and then that can help our body be healthier, physical arena. You know, it's all connected. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you bring that up. What, what's showing up for me is even how, well, two things are coming up. Um, so mental health, and I'm thinking about therapy and counseling, and then how even that space has changed. And so, um, you know, thinking about what has changed in the way that we receive care now, because for therapy and counseling, um, right, telehealth, everything, uh, uh, you know, was was lifted in terms of the restrictions around face-to-face and telehealth, but I'd be curious um, to know what other things have changed and really to talk about that mental wellness thing, how those numbers have gone up. Like, you can't find a therapist today. Therapists yeah. are, I mean, I am one, I, um, but uh, I don't primarily practice in that space, um, but I'd love to hear a little bit of that. Absolutely. Like you said, Telehealth, fortunately, that's becoming making taking away some barriers. You know, one of the things that changed that I think is a plus, but we have to be careful with it. People are more willing to talk about. People are more willing to talk about stress. And I'm hearing the word trauma more. Yep. Literally, like three to four years ago, because we started doing a lot of trauma-informed stuff, people were afraid of the word trauma. And now people are talking about trauma and stress. So that's a plus. So what else has changed? Uh, you know, in terms of the way we attend to a real medical challenge or a medical issue or a mental wealth issue? Well, as you mentioned, definitely have, we have more opportunities from the, from the telepsych, telehealth perspective. The screening is a big piece. And if anyone watches the news, that's an ongoing (laughs) issue. Um, getting COVID vaccine, like that, that's kind of the front and center thing right now. It's kind of like life is divided up into pre-COVID and post-COVID. And do you have the vaccine? Are you not going to get the vaccine? Some people want to know the office that they're going to, like, like what is the policy? Because it was a little bit easier when there were forced policies, but now every state is different. And so that's a big consideration for some people. Some people, you know, they, they're not comfortable going to an office where, unless they know people are screened or what, what, what they might be exposed to. So that's another big, um, uh, another big change. Uh, and as we mentioned right beforehand, I do think now that more people are aware or paying more attention or, or more, more willing to talk about mental health issues, depression, anxiety, uh, maybe not everyone, but a lot more people, because there was a big yeah. increase in anxiety and depression, a of big course. one during the pandemic. And, so I, and also, like I said, trauma, people literally talking about trauma. I remember people did not want to use that word before. And now a lot of people are talking about trauma, which I think is a good thing. We have to be careful because not every upset is a trauma. And so I want to make sure that we don't start to use that word so cavalierly that it loses its meaning. But most of us quite literally survived a trauma, meaning people were afraid for their life or afraid for the lives of their loved ones. 
And so I think these are pieces that are opportunities for people to be more um, uh, aware, more cognizant, more intentional about assessing their needs or the needs of their friends, family, and loved ones, and knowing what to ask for, making it maybe a little bit easier. So I think maybe people might be more comfortable going to their primary care doctor and like leading off with, I have, I've been having trouble sleeping. I've feel, been feeling anxious. Yeah, I think I'm depressed. Whereas pre-COVID, that maybe was not the case. People maybe wouldn't have been as um, ready to do that. They maybe would have gone in with something else. And then we you had to kind of dig and say, you know, kind of ease into it. And are you maybe are you open to the fact that you're depressed? And so I think now it's just that, that part is is um, a little heavier lift for everyone. And even for friends and family members, I think there's, there's a lot more articles out there about what to do, how to check in on people, what to say if you're concerned. So I think these are some positive changes. Well, I definitely saw even before the pandemic uh, in the black community and among black men in particular, us edging toward a tipping point of being able to openly address um, mental health and mental wellness. At Black Enterprise, we do a conference called Black Men Excel. And the first year we pitched a mental health session and we didn't do it because we are like, oh, nobody's gonna wanna do that. The second year we did it uh, because the sponsor said they would back it. And long story short, it is the most popular session at the conference. Uh, and that was before the pandemic. Since the pandemic, especially on social platforms, I, I mean, it seems like there's all these platforms and, and resources and um, uh, for Black men, Black people in general, Black men in particular. And I, you know, you asked me six years ago if I'd see Black men openly discussing mental wellness and anxiety and depression. Um, in, in this environment, like you said, there's a danger for people to almost trivialize the word trauma, mm -hmm. but it's still the conversations are happening and it's a big part of improving health outcomes um, in our families and communities that we're at least able to talk about it. Um, I want you to weigh in on something that's, that's near and dear to my heart as a financial journalist, as a business journalist, and in my own personal um, journey as a, as a health and fitness person, that there's a direct correlation between your health and your earning power. And when we talk about closing the racial wealth gap in Black America, I'm always reminding people that um, we have too many people in our communities who die or are ill in what should be our peak earning years, that your peak earning years actually happen after the age of 50. Um, but in too many cases, we either too ill to really maximize our productivity, our creativity um, in business or in, in our careers, or we pass away right when we should be reaching those years. I mean, and there's a financial and economic impact on our communities as a result. Again, this show is about faith and finance and living an abundant life. And, and so I, I love your thoughts about what this means for the overall health and wealth of the black community. Absolutely, you make an excellent point because in our after 50 years where we could be our most productive, if we are ill, again, not simply in body, but we, that's what we see a lot. I mean, that's when people start to diabetes, um, high blood pressure, all the, a lot of the things that we know. But then again, even stress, and I don't want to say even, but depression. mental resilience. Yes, stress, yes, burnout, all the things where people, I'm just done. You know, so instead of really the time where they can kick it in gear and go to another level, or you know, start a second career, whatever. People don't have the mental, emotional bandwidth to do it. So that's one direct way. Another very direct way is, you know, no matter what age you are, you can't work well if you don't feel well. So the extreme is again, if you can't get get to the office or 
even work virtually, you, you, you know, especially if you have an hourly job, you know, you're, you're a wage earner, you're not getting paid. But even if you're a salaried position, um, at some point, then you can't function well. So even if you, you know, have a job with great benefits and PTO, if you are not able to function well, that also affects your job performance, your ability to get promoted, your ability to climb up, to make it into the C-suite. So really our, our ability to take care of our bodies and mind does affect our, our earning ability, our, in, our income. I'm saying for entrepreneurs as well, I mean, these, these so are absolutely so entrepreneurs. You talk about building successful businesses, um, you know, growing those businesses, the challenges of satisfying clients, meeting payroll, delivering on products and services, uh, you know, I tell people, you think a job is tough, wait until you're the boss. Absolutely. Absolutely. Your health, is, it's even more crucial when you have your own business. One, for all the reasons you said, but two, you are your brand. You're your brand. So if you are tired and burned out and cranky and you snap at someone, no one likes that if they call, you know, whatever their favorite company is and they get someone on the other line doing it. But if you're the owner of the company, what do people say? Oh, they were so rude. So, so you are your brand. So it's not to say that we expect perfection from you because no one's going to be perfect, but it is important for you to take care of yourself so that you can deliver the services or that you can make sure you have a team that's delivering the services and that you again you're mentally emotionally socially able to to thrive and and all and do it in a way that resonates well with the people with which you're serving and again it's expensive not to it costs money to take care of yourself on the back end so it it, you know, it's expensive. And again, if your employees are ill or you are creating a toxic workplace, which is a whole nother conversation we can have, then you're losing people, which, but, but we're seeing that now people are leaving in droves, leaving the workplace in droves, or people having trouble filling positions that costs money. So think about the health of your company as well as your personal health. Well, as we wrap up, Dr. Donna, I'm wondering What's the question that we didn't ask that we should have asked you? And as we wrap up, we have less than two minutes. So if you could share just some closing thoughts and, and whatever it is that you want to share with us about the fact that actually we have one minute. Um, okay. So whatever you want to share. Yes. I will share. Let's see. We covered a lot. So I will offer these um, a couple key takeaways. One, remember what it means to be healthy. So when you're thinking about your health, your well-being, and what your next steps are, think about more than simply your body. Think about your, your mind, your emotions, your social arena, because that's a big one, and then also your spirit life, and make a plan, assess them all, and make a plan. The next one is be willing to change. We do not talk about that, but a lot of times people will say they know that it would benefit them to change, but at the end of the day, they're just not willing to do anything new. So if you're not willing, then nothing is going to change. So I encourage everyone to be willing to either do something new or stop doing some things that are negatively impacting your health because it all starts with willingness. And lastly, I will emphasize, essentially what we're saying is be proactive, plan ahead. It is easier, it's gentler, and it costs less money than reacting or responding constantly. Do it on your terms the best you can. Well, there you have it. That was Dr. Donna. Thank you. You can, If you're on social media, you can follow me anywhere at Donna Hamilton, MD. You can also go, I have a gift for you. Go to manifestexcellence.com forward slash meditation guide. And I promise you, 
If you've ever said to yourself, I want to meditate, but I just can't, we have a guide and it's called Sure You Can. It's five strategies to help you. So manifestexcellence.com forward slash meditation guide, because meditation affects all the areas we talked about. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Dr. Donna. Thank you, Dr. Donna. Thank you. Take care. Bye, everyone. And it's Be Lifted Up. It's been a wonderful time. And remember, you know, this is a show about faith and finances. And so how does this connect to the larger uh, or the grand scheme of things? We are called to be good stewards of our health. We are called to be good stewards. The word of the Lord says we are to be good stewards of time and talent and resources. And so we, uh, the body that God has given us, the life that he has given us, he's given us 86,400 units of time every day. And we are responsible to be um, a good manager. Stewardship just means management, right? And so, um, so I hope that you were able to take away one thing that you may think about differently on the other side. Now that God has allowed you to live on the other side of COVID, we are believing that you could take away one thing. And by the way, don't forget that free download, the resource, uh, manifestexcellence.com backslash meditation. Um, so Alfred, what say well, you, my friend? First of all, thanks. Dr. Donahem for the gift of not only the meditation, but just her presence on our show. Um, I would say that this should start with a question that Jesus asked in John 5, 6. Wilt thou be made well? Do you want to be well? Are you choosing wellness? Jesus asks all of us that every day because if we choose it, we will have it. You've been listening to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life with myself, Alfred Edmund Jr., and my co-host, DC Marshall. Listen, you can download and subscribe to our show at mochapodcastnetwork.com. You can find us on Sirius XM 141, and you can follow us on all social platforms at B, the letter B, Lifted Up Radio. Thanks for joining us, and we want you to have that abundant life. Bye. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a Black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, 
For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective.